everyone. Welcome to the Average Football Pod. Now, something new we're going to be doing. So, um, I'm going to be doing a week of the re- uh, a review of the week's football matches that's happened around the Premier League and then around Europe as well. So, any games that you might have missed or any news that you might have missed, then I'm going to bring it to you on a Tuesday and just give you some headlines of what's coming up. So, um, some big games with some big consequences for one team this weekend. Um, so the go through the fixtures, how the scores went. So on Saturday, started off with a fantastic match with Arsenal versus uh, Leicester against Arsenal. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale was absolutely unbelievable that day uh, game. Uh, Leicester absolutely battered Leicester, Arsenal. And for the first 20 minutes, though, Arsenal looked great. Arsenal looked really comfortable on the ball, passing the ball well, creating chances. Leicester just didn't wake up. And then it, went, it was too late when it was 2-0. That's when Leicester started to wake up. But also Ramsdale was really alert and really up for the match as well. The, the free kick save that he made against for Madison was really, really fantastic. World-class save. Um, and that sort of set the standard and time for him really throughout the match. There was a little bit of a worry from Arsenal fans, as I was hearing on the radio as well, that they were slightly worried that he was going to chuck one in in the second half and then Leicester will come back and win 3-2. But... Fair play to Leicester. They really did try and get that goal, that first goal especially, to just put them on a little bit of a sort of a little work, um, little base to work from really to get themselves into the match. Um, but Arsenal held out. Uh, there was bits in the second half where Arsenal could have scored another goal. They um, had one cleared off the line as well. So Arsenal did look like they could easily score a third. But fair play to Arsenal. They defended well. They looked resolute at the back, even though Leicester created so many chances. And Ramsdale was on t- on fire. So I think on another get another day, another game, Leicester might have ended up winning that game. But Ramsdale was absolutely fantastic and really has boosted his England credentials going into the international break um, as from next weekend, really, or from this weekend coming. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see where he stands. I think Pickford is still number one, but he's definitely number two in the pecking order. Um, just needs Henderson to maybe move clubs somewhere um, to so that he can boost his credentials. And you look at England's goalkeeping situation, that looks absolutely fantastic. Such strength and depth now, and that's a sign of the England squad all over, really. Um, next game we're going to talk about... so. Uh, we're going to go to the three o'clock, so uh, I'm not going to talk about Watford Southampton. Last game and match of the day, it was boring by all accounts. It was not a great game, but it's a weird Watford performance again by the looks of things. They, they absolutely obliterate Everton last week, and they were awful against Liverpool the week before. And then boosted, they should be confident going into this game, and they get a 1-0 loss against Southampton which boosts Southampton a little bit more as well. Um, I think Southampton need that win just to keep themselves up and keep themselves going a little bit, build momentum, because they, they seem like they're going to be a very stop-start side this year. Um, you've also I'm not going to talk about the Newcastle-Chelsea game, but Chelsea just look so confident, and they can switch their team around. Ross Barkley played. You know, people forgot about he was still at Chelsea this season. Um, you've got a Newcastle side who they're they're in disarray. Um, they're not good enough. They're just not good enough. And Steve Bruce was doing okay with the team that he was got. I, granted, the two games that um, he's not been in charge of against Palace and Chelsea, 
they're not winnable games. Uh, the way Palace are playing at the moment, Palace are fantastic at the moment, and same with Chelsea. They're just they're they're not winnable games, and to get a draw and, and a loss against Chelsea is a good result for them, I guess. Um, and they need to make sure they get someone in for the international break. It seems like Unai Emery could be the possibility. Um, reading some tweets from David Cartledge is that David Cartledge was saying that Emery could be on the way out for the Real anyway. And it'd be silly for Villarreal to sack him if Newcastle's going to pay the compensation. So uh, it will be interesting to see what happens there, really, because Villarreal is struggling in La Liga. Um, so it could be a, a a right opportunity for both everyone involved, really. Villarreal get rid of Emery. Emery goes to Newcastle. Newcastle get the manager that they think this is what they want. Next game we're going to talk about, actually, is that Burnley against Brentford. So I think this match got overlooked by everyone this weekend. Burnley were 3-0 up at half-time against a really, really, really exciting Brentford side. And yet no one's really talking about it. It's it's staggering that Brentford didn't get any headlines this week. Um, what they've done uh, this week was brilliant. Um, probably the, the, the uh, next to Palace and Brighton, definitely team of the week. Um Right, I think the issue has been as well that Burnley's done, uh, Brighton done so well against Liverpool and Palace beat Man City. That takes the shine off Burnley's win against uh, Brentford. And in a way, it is a lower-the-table clash at the moment between them teams. And for Burnley, they needed that win. The, um, they, it seems like they're going to be very similar to Southampton. Very stop-start, stop-start. But this is what I'm saying about Brentford last week. Is Brentford, yes, they might be exciting to watch. Yes, they might be fantastic on the eye but this is the Premier League they need to win games and we've seen teams do this before that have been really good really swashbuckling attacking exciting teams of foot of football but yet not actually producing results and they end up getting relegated so I think that's where Brentford could be this year is that Brentford's everyone's favorite team and everyone loves them but they're not getting results and they will hopefully they'll stay up but there's that worry that you're going yeah you're going to finish third bottom it just third bottom second bottom never will be really disappointed and then they've got to do it again and i don't know if we'll, I, who knows if we see brentford in the premier league again after this year because it all depends on if they can keep their players which will be taken because ivan tony will definitely go somewhere in january if not in the summer depending on how much they get offered. So it'd be very interesting to see. Maxwell Corley again, getting another goal for uh, Burnley. He's actually very suited in the Premier League and seems like he's settling in lovely at Burnley. So a very good buy for him. And if he can get 10 goals, 10 to 12 goals this year, that's fantastic for Burnley and that's what they need. The same with Chris Wood as well. If he can get 10 to 12 goals, that's 20 goals for them in the year. That's That's a big, big, boost for Burnley they just need another goal scorer and that would just put them back into the mid-table positions and that'll just keep them in for another season and Sean Dykes got another four or five year deal so he's there for the long haul still so very very good very good result for Burnley Um, we're going to talk about uh, Brighton's uh, two-all draw against um, Liverpool in a minute, but we're going to first talk about Palace against Man City. What a performance for Palace. And I think if anyone's seen Palace this year, I don't think there's been much surprise by it. 
Palace have played really well. They're so unlucky not to beat Arsenal. They have played really well in all the games they've played in. Um, I think, unfortunately, for che- the Chelsea game at the start of the season when they lost 3-0, was a little bit of a false reading, a false representation of where Palace are at the start of the season. Um, hearing Joel Wall talk on radio yesterday, is saying that he was saying that Vieira is really, really... Um, intricate and really detailed in his training sessions and it's the most detailed in the train in training that he's ever had so it shows what they work on in the week and it shows as well it gets to match day how organized they are and Conor Gallagher is playing fantastically well I, I I don't know if he'll fit in that Chelsea side though he's on loan um from Chelsea to Palace um if Tuchel's still in charge by the end of this if Tuchel still the sides, then yes, I can see Colin Gallagher being in that Chelsea side. He's not going to start week in, week out, but he'll be playing more games than he'd be, than he'd be not. Because um, he'll get rid of people like Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Ross Barkley for Conor Gallagher. But Saha was great. And it did help with Man City getting Laporte sent off. Um, according to Berger... Uh, to Gallagher, who does ref watch on Sky Sports, he believes that there was a red card. Personally, for me, I think it's a bit harsh. I think he's too far away from goal for it to be a goal scoring opportunity. Um, it, there could have been a covering defender if Kyle Walker uses his pace, which he has got and can do. So I just think maybe it was a yellow card, but there we go. It's, it's difficult because at the same time, Johnny Evans should have been sent off for. Um, for Leicester against Arsenal because he did the same challenge that Lepotra did against um, Zaha against Man City. So you had two different outcomes. So it was very odd decisions they were. But there we go. Um, I think Palace, I've said this on multiple times in the podcast, I think they are going to be really comfortable mid-table side and maybe, possibly, even possibly push for the Europa Conference this season. So who knows? Who knows where Palace is going to go? Um, and... They look positive for this next season as well. If they get Conor Gallagher on a permanent, then they'll push definitely, absolutely, absolutely push up there. And Vieira seems like he's getting a tune out of Benteke as well, which no manager's been able to do for almost a decade now. So it it seems like he's on the right track, Vieira, to be successful at Palace. And hopefully he'll stay there for the long term. But who knows, when big jobs come knocking, he'll be first on the list, I guess. Uh, especially if the Arsenal job came up. Uh, okay, next up, I'll talk about Liverpool against Brighton. Um, brilliant game, end-to-end. Um, Liverpool were unlucky not to go 3-0 up into the half-time break. Uh, I think the uh, goal that got disallowed by Mane for the handball, a little bit unlucky, um, but in, that, in the new handball rules, it's handball. But Liverpool looked good again. Liverpool looked like they were just just not clicking on all the gears, even though they were 2-0 up. Um, it just seemed like they always, almost needed the third goal to be comfortable. Um, and look what happens. Uh, Brighton comes back and scores two. Um, the first goal was... I, I always think them goals are crosses. It's a, I, it's a, it's a misjudged cross. Because I, I don't believe he tried to pick the top corner out because the technique he used and the way he hit the ball, it looked like it was a cross and it just he just got it all wrong completely. But at the same time, if he meant it, 
And he did mean to put it in top corner. And that is a fantastic goal. What a wonderful goal that is for him. And absolutely brilliant. Absolutely fantastic strike. Um, and Tossard could have had two. Um, he had a goal chalked off as well, um, which would have been a massive kick in the teeth of Liverpool, really, to lose 3-2. Um, so fantastic win for Brighton. It just builds Graham's Potter's reputation up as well. Um, it now looks like all the all the big jobs, apart from maybe one, might be on offer for him. Um, personally, I can I, the the job I can see him at the most is Leicester. Um, in a strange way, is that if Brendan Rodgers ever went somewhere, I could see Graham Potter going to Leicester. It just seems it's the right fit for him. It's a little bit of a step up um, with the Leicester side, but at the same time, the foundations what Leicester have are brilliant for Potter. I think if he goes into a big side, I think he, I, I don't know if he's, I'm not, he's not big enough for it. Absolutely, he's he's a great manager and he's the he's the manager that players want to play for, and he's the manager that fans will like to see because he's not a defensive manager. He's very attacking. He plays really good football. At the same time, he's very grounded and also very disciplined as well. He doesn't take fools lightly. He'll take players out the side if they're not performing well and also if they're not having the right attitude in training or right attitude before and after games he will take them out the side he did that with more pay he's done it with other players so um it does seem like he could be the pl- the manager that all the clubs want and if not maybe the international scene might be knocking if Southgate ever decides to move on is that could he be the next England manager which is highly likely he's the structure is there for him. He's he's he is the hot man at the moment. So who knows? We have this with Eddie Howe. We have this with other managers. Sean Dyche was the same. We have this with other managers sometimes, and especially English managers, where the stock is high, but then they move on to another job and the stock drops, and then you never hear from them again. They struggle to get back to what they had. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes after Brighton because there will be suitors for him and there will be people that'll be after him. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, on Liverpool, Liverpool just had a bad day at the office and I think it helps that um, Man City drop points. They just need to hope for Chelsea to do the same now in the next few weeks. Um, so they just recall some points back. Um, but they'll... They'll bounce back and they've got to brush themselves off. Got a tough game against Atletico Madrid on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they win that quite comfortably. So, there, yeah, there we go. Next game, last game uh, we're going to talk about on the Saturdays is the Spurs-Man United game, 3-0. So, um, Man United fan here. Uh, fantastic result for us. Uh, fantastic result for Solskjaer. It's one of them games where I think the media were really, really chomping at the bit for his head to be on the block which it was, and he's managed to stay with execution for another day. I don't think that United are going to be anywhere near sacking him at the moment or close to sacking him. So um, I think there's a lot of media talk at the moment with Solskjaer and he's using that to build build a bit of a, a siege mentality against the, on, on the squad, really. Um, you watch him with that new, uh, with the 5-3-2 formation that they had with uh, Fernandes, Sitting just behind the strikers and just in front of the defensive midfielders, look comfortable there. There's, a, I, I found it hard to believe that people were questioning uh, Bruno Fernandes' defensive abilities this week. Is that he's been quite, a, 
he's a very sort of energetic midfielder, so he gets up and down all the time. So for all this to say, all the lot of people saying that he didn't do his defensive duties, I found that a bit weird because he does defensive duties. And when he first came into the Premiership and the stuff that they always say about him is that he works really hard around the pitch and for the team. So I just... I just found it very odd last week. And they pinpoint little moments of the Liverpool game where he just maybe not did it and probably relied on other players to do it. So um, I found it very odd that he was getting a lot of criticism last week. Um, he played fantastically well. The ball for Ronaldo's goal was exquisite and the finish was incredible. Um, it just shows you watch the movement of Ronaldo peeing off the back onto Ben Davis and the the timing of the strike and the loft and... Everything that had that goal was incredible. Um, and then Cavani will always put a shift in and incredible for Solskjaer to say full time after the game saying that in three years he's been at United, Edison Cavani did the best training session he's seen by anyone, which shows what the standard is now at United and shows where he wants players to be. So let's see if that rubs off on the players going into the rest of the season. On Spurs, on the other hand, Nuno gets sacked uh, on the day on Monday um, and after 10 Premier League games, I find it a little bit harsh that he's got sacked. Um, it, it, you know, 10 games, it's it's not to, it's, how can you judge a manager after 10 games? And going into a situation where there's a lot of mess to clear up and there's still a lot of mess at the club as well with Harry Kane and if he still wants to be there or not. Um, you've got Deli Alley where he just seems like a lost figure at the moment. It's sort of, where's the Deli Alley that was, you know, bursting onto the scene a few years ago? Harry Winks, he was linked to Man United only like a couple, what, 18 months ago. So there's, there are world-class midfielders there in that side. Uh, it was interesting seeing Mika Richard on Monday night on BBC saying, you, you look at the Spurs side, is it that good? Is it really that good? Well, you've got Kane and Son, who are the standout players, but you look at the rest of the side, are they that actually that good? Larissa always has a mistake in him. Eric Dyer is scratchy in form. Um, you've got um, Ben Davis, who's lost a bit of pace. Matt Doherty's not even getting the side. Hoiberg is probably another good player that they've got in midfield. But he's a defensive midfielder. He's not going to do much for you, anything else. Um, he's put out, puts out fire as well, but that's about it. But then you look, Lucas Moura, patchy again. Um, Lo Celso, very patchy. Dembele, sort of, uh, uh, Dombele, sorry. Just can't, he gets in the side and then plays well for a couple of games. And you hear that he, he just sort of settled into London by the looks of things. And he probably will want to move, but... Unfortunately, there's not going to be a place for him anywhere because no one could afford him. And that's the issue, that's the issue there. Um, so we're now on to Tuesday and Antonio Conte is now uh, taking the job as Spurs manager. Um, so Spurs will be playing 5-3-2 or 5-3-1-1 going into the um, future now. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, Conte is a fantastic manager. Um he just demand he demands a lot, and I don't think he necessarily demands a lot from the players. He demands a lot for the board as well. So he wants to be backed, and if players, if managers want, if he believes if managers and clubs want to be successful and want to succeed, then they need to be backed in the transfer market. And if they don't, he walks. So it could be a very interesting dynamic between him and Daniel Levy going into 
January into the next summer. Um, what is the agreement between him and Harry Kane and Levy? Is he got the agreement that Kane can leave in the summer? And Conte has to accept that because trying to find a world-class striker from Kane is going to be really hard. And he, Spurs can't afford a Lewandowski. Well, they could maybe afford Lewandowski, but I don't think he'll come. Um, it's just a really tricky situation for him to be in. So he's got to convince Kane to stay and he's got to convince Kane that Spurs is the place for him to be at. Um, I think Spurs will be a really tough side maybe next season. But that's if Conte's still there, because it sounds like Conte signed an 18-month contract. So he's not there for long-term. He's there short-term-wise. He's only there for two years. So it's a very small contract he's got, and there'll probably be a rolling year-on-year-on contract as well to go with that. So it'll be interesting to see how he settles in. There will be a lot of demands on him, and I think the international break is probably the best time for him, but at the same time the worst time, because he's not going to have the players there. So I was hearing one player a podcast saying that they'll probably send um, the reserve side out to the Conference League and then he'll keep the first 11 back in London and work them hard as like a mini pre-seasons every, every other weekend or every midweek. Um, the good thing about Spurs is still in the Carabao Cup, so there is a trophy on there still for him that he could easily win with um, Man City going out, Liverpool not really taking cups seriously. Um, same as Chelsea there is that little opportunity for him to get a trophy on his belt in March and get Spurs winning again and get Spurs into a winning ray so be interesting to see how he does okay we're going to talk about last so on uh, what other games have we not talked about uh, right uh, Sunday games Norwich against Leeds awful game awful game apart from 10 minutes where they all scored awful game awful 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 both teams awful uh, Rafinha looked good though. Rafinha played really well, so he deserved his goal. And his first goal was really well taken. Very, very good goal. Villa West Ham. Villa won four-one. Uh, uh, sorry, Villa won West Ham four. Um, West Ham looked good. Looked good. Um, again, once the send-off happened, changed the game, and Villa went for the goal. They did really try to go for it because uh, it was two-one at the time, and they did really try and sort of get that equaliser, but. They just left themselves open at the back, and um, unfortunately for them, it's where the where it happened, where they got caught in, on the break, and two more goals were scored against them in quick succession, really. So um, West Ham go up to fourth. They look really comfortable. They look really good. They don't look anything's going to phase them at the moment or anything's going to stop the run. So um, West Ham fans must be absolutely bouncing at the moment. I'm going to give a message to a West Ham fan later on, and... Um, in the week and see how he feels. His life must be absolutely buzzing at the moment because I don't think they've had this much enjoyment for years. And then on Monday, you had Wolves against Everton. Um, th- I watched the first half of this and it was Wolves just look really good, really, really attacking. Um, they've got Hawan, they've got uh, Jimenez looking very sharp. Trincao looked good as well, what I saw. And they just looked solid at the back again, but. Um, Everton came back in the second half by all accounts and sort of created some chances and slightly unlucky not to score a second goal but another win for Wolves on, and it just boosts Bruno Lage's team a little bit more um, it shows that they're going in the right direction as well really attacking football is which Wolves wanted um, and the Wolves fans wanted um, after a couple of seasons of playing slightly defensive football but at the same time 
Wolves fans and a lot of people forget Wolves players were on their backside. They they pretty much played two seasons in a row without a break. They played Europa League and everything else to go in that and they had to do the qualification process and they had already played almost like 20 games before we come to this point of the season a few years ago so their players were just knackered so I think Bruno had to change the way he played but um, unfortunately I think that's just um, unfortunately just rubbed off on the players later on in the season and it's not been attacking football really and maybe fans being there might have changed the way Wolves played possibly that might have been the way but um but maybe that's where Nuno went wrong with Spurs but there we go it's it's still who knows maybe so who knows when Nuno turns up next hopefully he'll find a job in England still um he deserves a little break now um going into where he, you know, he resigned from Wolves just to have a break and he, the Spurs job you couldn't turn down so it's now for him to have a little break for a year possibly and come back next season and be recharged again so we'll see where he ends up hope he does well in his next job all right so um little shocks and little information of games around europe so on friday it was paris Saint-Germain against lille um paris Saint-Germain won 2-1 with two last minute goals from Aquinos and di maria um there's rumors circulating twitter going that um sergio ramos's contract might be cancelled with PSG because of his injury concerns and injury problems that he has. Because, um, you know, if you sign Ramos, you know, you shouldn't really know about these injury concerns and problems that he's had over the last few years. So there we go. Um, in Spain, Barcelona draw 1-1. Um, so first day or first game about uh, Bromel Koeman, um, and they draw one all. Uh, there's reports saying that Koeman has reportedly turned down a £7 million payoff from Barcelona, where he's expected 12. So, there we go. Barcelona's great ideas now start rolling into practice again. So, uh, they'll have to fork out, it looks like, £12 million to Ronald Koeman. So, that's what they wanted to do in the first place. So, there we go. That's Barcelona in a nutshell at the moment. They're just hemorrhaging money left, right and centre, and it's causing it's going to cause problems. Um Real Sociedad is still top of the league after drawing against Bilbao at the weekend. So Real Madrid is sitting second and Sevilla third. So um, looking very, very good season for Sociedad this year. So hopefully they can keep the form up going into the winter break or going into the winter. And But I feel Real Madrid are probably going to win the league this year. They just look comfortable. They look like they've got all, the, all their ducks in order for the first time in a while. And... Um, they're just playing well. They're playing good football. And Vinicius Jr. is actually showing the player that he could be actually now. So uh, with Benzema up top and there's rumours of Hazard leaving. So it'll be interesting to see if that's true in January, if he's going to go anywhere. I think he might go on loan before he goes permanently. But we'll see. Who knows if he turns up at Newcastle. I can't see him turn up at Chelsea. But I just, yeah, Chelsea got too many attacking options. So we'll see. Italy's interesting at the moment. Italy's very interesting. So Juventus lose again. So they lost to Sassuolo um, midweek, and now they've lost to Verona. Um, so uh, Allegri has said to the Juventus players that they're going to be on a, a seven-day training um, uh, camp. So basically, they will stay at the training camp, a uh, training ground. Uh, they will not be able to go home, and they're basically going to sort their issues out there and then. 
So for the next seven days. So they've got a Champions League game midweek. Um, they're playing today. So um, that will, will there be any um, evidence of the problems that they have or anything that's been, any solutions that have been found um, today? Um, Milan beat Roma last night, on sorry, on Sunday night, 2-1 to keep top of the table. Um or to keep in touch with top of the table leaders Napoli, who both of them haven't lost a game this year, so for all this season after 11 games, and looking really comfortable, them two. It looks like it could be between um, Napoli, Milan, and Inter for the title this year. Juventus are out. Juventus are out with the title. Um, I was hearing on Thursday, they were 12 points behind as of, 12, as of Thursday. So to lose again and put them 15 points behind means that they're just not going to be able to fight it they're not no Italian team has ever made up a 15 point deficit um to win the title so it's very comfortably to see that Juventus will be pushing on for hopefully Champions League spots going into the rest of the season but unfortunately their their title challenge is over for one year again so there could be another name on there'll be another different name on the title this year will it be Inter will it be Juventus uh, sorry Milan will it be Napoli who knows I think the neutral and would like to have it to be Napoli because it would be a year on from Diego Maradona dying, passing away, and the Napoleons would absolutely love it if they could have a title to their name. And it would be the first title for years, so decades. So it would be nice to see another name on the uh, Scuderia and a little bit of a new um, champion on the name. Okay. Right, so that's the end of the review this week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Again, um, you can catch up with the other... Well, we're going to be a new pod released on Friday, talking about the Premier League games coming up in the week and games around Europe. Um, anything else? There is um, the Sky Sports Fantasy Football pod for UK listeners. You can catch that on Friday when that drops. And also, if you want to email, then you can at um, email me at theaveragefootballpod at gmail.com. Okay, I hope you have a good week. Enjoy the Champions League if you can watch it or enjoy all the midweek football that's going on around you. Okay, have a good time. See you soon. Bye.